Hey everybody, this is Khalif. Uh, this is part two of our Mafia 3 special. Uh, it features Charles Webb, who's a senior writer on the Mafia 3 game. Uh, we had a lot of fun talking to Charles about all the ideas that went into making this game so dope. And also gotten a little bit of discussion about race as only we can. Uh, so definitely let us know how we did. Let us know uh, what you thought. And hit Charles up on social media and tell him that he did a good job on this game. Uh, thanks again. See you soon. Peace. So everybody, we have today, I'm super excited to be rocking the microphone with Charles Webb, senior writer on Mafia 3, coming out of coming out of 2K, Hangar 13 Studios. Charles, how are you doing, man? How's everything going? I'm good. Tired. <laughs> yeah, I'm this, sure. is, this, is, this, this has been the going answer for the last couple of months. Uh, not, that's not just the Mafia answer. That's the new dad answer. Yeah, congrats. Congrats Thank on, on becoming you. a new dad. That's awesome. Super dope. Um, I know that you have been ripping and running like a mad person for months, probably years at this point, trying to get this project done. Uh, happy that this is out in the world, I'm sure. We are incredibly excited. Like, you know, that's that's coming from the heart. Just like having this game in people's hands, actually being able to talk about it now. It's like sharing all the stuff that, that you know, the, the little surprise that we have throughout the world. It's It's been great. Yeah, I know. So we first met during, I believe it was GDC. It was. It was the Blacks and Gaming event, right? Yeah, we, I met at the Blacks and Gaming event, and um, I forgot who was facilitating the event. I always, I always forget his name. He's a super dope. Guy. That was uh, Microsoft James Lewis. Yes, James Lewis. Yes, yes, he's yeah. super dope. Shout out to James because he's always amazing. Um, and I ran over because you were having a discussion. You were, you were surrounded by the youth. <laughs> and they were like, I like hey. talking to the Utes. <laughs> the Utes, them, as they say back in, in the Bronx, were like sitting there, their ears perked up, eyes super, super fascinated and focused on you because you were dropping some knowledge about kind of being a writer in the space and, 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 and getting into writing for this particular game. Uh, but before we even jump into that, I kind of want to dig back into to you and your background and you know how you got into the industry, some of the things that you've worked on, and, and then kind of focus on how you kind of started to work on this amazing game in Mafia 3. Sure. My origin story begins, like all the best do, as being a, a struggling video store employee <laughs> and, and just doing that for way too many years. Yeah, uh, I actually got my start in the game industry 11 years ago this uh, Sorry, 11 years ago last month. Uh, working at a mobile game studio out in New York, uh, Longtail. Uh, we were working on all of these very ambitious, branching narrative uh, dialogue games, and that did not work out well. But <laughs> we, we, we produced some really, really great work. It's just we were, I think, two or three years too early. Mm. Um, the economy went south around 2008, 2009, and I ended up on the other side of things, writing about games for a few years. Uh, before jumping back into it again, working at Microsoft and 343 and, uh, you know, ultimately winding up here at 2K Games. It's, it's been kind of a winding path, uh, just being really passionate about talking about games and talking about story in games and telling stories in games. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, it's super evident in, you know, I, I just finished uh, Mafia last night. Um, tried to tried to, to to bum rush through it a little bit so so we could have a, a, a nuanced conversation about it, but I can tell that just <clears throat> the way that the the way that you and the rest of the writing crew kind of came to this um, was very different in 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 the ways that I haven't seen really done before. You guys are tackling some subjects. Uh, that a lot of people are looking at in ways that they're like, I don't ever want to come near that with a 10 foot pole. 
Um, I'm, I'm just interested to hear, you know, some of the process about, you know, how you guys decided to kind of dive headfirst into the conversation about race and about linking being this this kind of larger than life character and, and, and some of the feedback that you've gotten since the game has been out um, and, and doing so well. I mean, so what you described there is part of why I'm actually here at the company. Like, uh, when I was in initial discussions with, with Bill Harms, our lead writer, about the position a couple of years back, like, when you reach that phase where they kind of talk a little bit more about the project is, you know, and he's saying it's going to be a black protagonist and it's going to be set in the late 60s, my, my ears perked up. And I'm, I'm just like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right, just just tell me where I need to be and when I need to be there. And, um, you know, when I got here, a lot of stuff had kind of been put into place. You know, there was a fairly clear sense of who Lincoln was going to be. Uh, I think at that point we'd actually already cast Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... You know, there, there was sort of a rough idea of this is this is what our story is going to be. This is how Lincoln is going to interact with New Bordeaux. Uh, and my job and, and Ed's job at Fowler, uh, the other senior writer on the project, was to basically fill out that world and fill out that story and be able to kind of come up with the beat-by-beat moments. And um, I, I think you kind of talk about that, that larger-than-life aspect of Lincoln. A lot of that was just the three of us sitting down and, and just saying, you know, what is – you know what? What are we going to make? What are we going to do to make Lincoln feel like he's the most competent character in this story? What? What is it we're going to make? Mm. What is it we can do to make him feel like the hardest man possible to go after? Sal Marcano and this this organized crime empire that's just coming at him. Uh, and you know, I wish I could say that there was like here's the four or five things that are really easy to do to make that happen. But it was it was all just a lot of moments. Yeah, it was all a lot, all a lot of moments with the writing team and sitting down with our very very talented designers and saying you know what this will be cool. And this will be like a nice little quiet moment where we can articulate what's going on with Lincoln. And this is the one where we can really fuck up the, the, the KKK. I don't know if I can curse on your podcast. You can totally cuss on our show. Fantastic. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, where you you can go up against the, you know, organized racism in the city and, and really just finding these moments that feel like they're not only heightened, but also authentic to the period. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I was taken aback. So, so a little bit of background info on, how this episode is going to run. We pre- previously did a kind of big roundtable discussion and talked about so many aspects of the game, things we liked, things we didn't like. We also preface to people, you know, when they're listening to this, there may be a spoiler or two. So, you, you know, keep your ears and <laughs> keep your ears and hands away from things that you're not supposed to be touching and listening to. Um, it's been a month. It's been a month. You had time. It's fair, it's fair game. Yeah. yeah, you had time. Um, and we talked about, you know, the the kind of question in the room was, you know, going into it, Cicero and I, uh, who's one of my co-hosts, we had gone to E3. We had seen the initial kind of trailer that was put out um, and we looked at the game and I, we were initially already hyped for it because we see black protagonist, sister with an afro. And we were like gung ho from the get. So then we get into the uh, the studio that they had and kind of ran through some of the gameplay mechanics and, and some of the story beats. And, and, and it was super excited then. And then there was like a couple of weeks afterward, we're doing some research in the game and I'll be honest, I saw like the staff page and I was like, oh man, there's a lot of white dudes on this staff page. I don't know if they're going to be able to get this story right. And coming to it afterward, 
uh, seeing how well everything was tied together, all the kind of mini story beats within the larger narrative and seeing how you guys were so nuanced in the ways that you kind of tackled small things that, you know, I, I, I term them kind of woke Easter eggs <laughs> in the game and, and seeing how you tied some of those things into the story, you know, what was the process like for you, for you guys as a team saying, okay, we really want to tackle this stuff. Um, and we really want to make sure that we're doing well by both the character, the setting and our audiences. Um, you know, what, where were the, where were the kind of tide points where you're like, all right, so we need to have this narrative in the story. We need to talk about this, this version of racism in the story. And how do we kind of get over the barriers that we usually see in games where they try to tackle this stuff and do it badly? How'd you guys figure out ways to get that stuff right? Well, you know, if I could start with the last question first, like, what happens in those cases where you know they try to tackle this stuff and they do it badly? And, and I think I was listening to one of your recent podcasts, and, and you you know you're talking about some games where they make that attempt and sometimes they stumble. Uh, it's I think placing too much emphasis on the allegory, and you know it's mm. it's it's orcs, it's elves, it's aliens, or whatever, and it has no real bearing on real life. So they co-opt the the imagery and they co-opt the struggle, but they don't actually speak about the thing, or they kind of pull that you know both sides are bad, right? Um, I think where I really credit Bill and, and Ed before I came onto the team, and, and the whole team is, a, is a, at large uh, before I came onto the game, was this very, very clear decision to say, you know, hey, racism is a fucked up thing, and it's it's a real part of our history, and it's it's woven through the very fabric of, of this country's evolution. And we want to talk about it. We don't want to just say, well, you know, both sides are bad. Lincoln's kind of bad. They're kind of bad. Right. We're, we're, we've got this very capable anti-hero. We're, we're very, very clear about that. But, yeah, he's, he's going against what's far worse, which is, you know, sort of entrenched ingrained racism. And we want to be very clear about what his role is in the world and who he is and be authentic to his blackness. Hmm. Now, how we – how we kind of had like these these woke moments throughout the game uh i I wish i could sit here and just say you know i just set myself as the ask black dude you know folks just swing by and they say hey is this cool is this cool because that'd be a great thing to have on the resume but again it's it's kind of a credit to the team and i hope all of us Mm -hmm. yeah i want to include myself in that I, i think we're constantly asking this question you know is this the right moment does this feel like we're offering some kind of commentary here or are we just being exploitative and I, I hope that we did well on that front. You know, I hope that we were constantly interrogating ourselves and saying, you know, this could be better, this could be tighter, this could have something clear to say about Lincoln and this city and this period of time um, in a way that's coherent, in a way that's not just wishy-washy, and in a way that's kind of based on experience. So, you know, it's it's looking at articles from the period. It's It's reading just a mess of stuff, not only about crime, but about you know, minority crime figures during the period and, and seeing what kind of experience we could draw from that into this game to make it feel authentic, to make it feel true. Yeah, the interesting thing that I, I felt as a takeaway um, from the kind of overarching narratives and, and, and even kind of displayed in the now famous uh, 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 beginning of the game where you talk about how, you know, racism is a thing that is still being felt by many of the people who are in this story and especially African-Americans. Um, it was great to see the kind of touching upon the 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 kind of our quote air quotes classic 
racism that we saw of that time, but then also tying it through characters to uh, uh, parallels that we see that happened, uh, you know, last month, you know, in the, in the past couple of years, you know, there was a, a very distinct um, incident that happened in the game. Spoilers, kids, is, is a spoiler comment um, <clears throat> about the uh, the the voice, uh, which is this beautiful, beautifully done character by Dave Fenoy, uh voiced by Dave Fenoy, um, who. Uh, is kind of the voice of the people. He's the he's the if you ever watch the Warriors, he was the the he, he's that version of you know telling the street what the deal was. Um, and he talked about this incident of these two young men who who were were vets who were killed by this uh, by this other uh, uh, white man who was uh, they were asking for help and uh, and they were killed in the process of it. And the first thing that I and and the rest of the the crew thought of, we were like, oh, Renisha McBride. There's a there's an incident there that parallels specifically to it. You know, I'm living in Portland now and it was a great conversation uh, that was done by by the voice in which they were talking about the disproportionate ways of profitization of drugs by by white people as opposed to, 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 to people of color and how that has pushed forward. You know, what was the kind of discussion even in that? Where it was like, all right, are you pulling? It's like the the, the kind of law and order pulling from uh, today's news to, to 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 fill in the gaps in the story. Was that something that was done as well? Well, you know, the best part about writing about racism is that it's never out of date. <laughs> it's it's so it's, it's the the best worst part. Like, uh, you know, I, I feel like we could we could say, you know, that's directly, you know, Renisha's story directly impacted ours, but. You could probably look at any data point, any year between now and 1968, and there was probably another incident that occurred. Sure. And it's it's just really easy to cull from history and talk about all these really, really fucked up moments. But for us, it was just important to, to, to kind of figure out what it is we wanted to say about it. You know, in our case, we wanted to be a reflection of what Lincoln was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the that's the surface gameplay element of it. But on the, other, the other end of it is just trying to figure out, you know, this is this is kind of the living hell that, that, that folks were living in back then. And, and to a certain extent that our folks are living through today, you know, you, you, you have all these weird unintended consequences. I read like a great article about uh, a great review of the first season of Atlanta. And mm. it kind of talked about the weird absurdity of, of, of living while black in America today. You know, it can be kind of funny and it's interesting and it's weird. And there's always this sort of undercurrent of violence, but then it just goes away. And, and, mm. Uh, it, it sort of leaves you off balance and off center, and I think we wanted to have a little bit of something like that in our, you know, in our Mafia Three narrative. You know, just this this truth of, of all these weird unintended consequences and and just strange explosive moments of racism coming out of all these weird corners. Yeah, and it, I mean, what you guys did really well <clears throat> was you you added the subtle to it, which is really hard to do in video game form, right? It's it's so hard to do. The kind of minutia of racism that a character or, or or many characters would kind of have to go through. Um, it was interesting to hear you talk about how how closely you worked with the development team. Uh, we often hear uh, that that kind of writing and development are kind of decoupled during the process, but it seems like with the way that you guys figured out a way to implement racism kind of even into the actual game systems, you know, talking about police times and uh, police response times in other neighborhoods being, being quicker or slower, depending upon the neighborhood that you were in, you know, you walking into 
an establishment and them automatically believe that you're loitering. You know, what was the what was the kind of um, back and forth and, and collaborative work that you did with the development team to kind of make the story and all these game mechanics kind of push themselves forward in Mafia Three as well? You know, so much of what we do, like early in the process, is is just get in a room, a writer and and a designer or a group of designers, and talking through what narratively makes sense, what thematically makes sense, mm. and you know, hopefully trusting the other party. Uh, and their skills and abilities to do what they're going to do. You know, uh, I, I have a lot of faith in our design team, and our design team seems to have a lot of faith in us. Just to say, we're going to be able to sell this story, and we're going to be able to sell the player's story throughout, th- you know, throughout the 20, 25, 40 hours that you spend with this game. Um, it's all, it's deeply, deeply collaborative. You know, it's, uh, I think, or at least I hope, we're moving away from that period of just, you know, the designers are going to make a game, and then at some point they're going to hand it off to a bunch of writers. Right. Uh, I think I've been very, very fortunate to work on a team where the emphasis was on, on all of us kind of being embedded with one another and, and, you know, offering feedback, offering constructive, helpful criticism and saying, Hey, you know, this is, this isn't quite in line with the vision that we all talked about and set out initially, or this is very much what we want to do. Let's do a lot more of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, oh man. I mean, it's, um, yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that narrative with a lot of writers that we bring onto the show, and and not so much from devs because devs are kind of head down, knocking out code and stuff. So you know, and they're so splintered a lot of times. Writing teams are much more kind of cohesive and kind of you know tight knit in that way. Uh, but it is good to hear that you know, and you can kind of, you can tell you can see it in in all the things that that the game has done. Thank um, you. Thank that you. that those that those connections were automatically there. Um, <clears throat> Reef had a question. He's not here, uh, unfortunately, due to time constraints and work. <laughs> um, but he wanted to know specifically, he said, yeah, I would imagine that writing this racially tinged content and constantly iterating and reviewing it must have taken a lot out of you emotionally. You know, what methods did you use to recharge yourself during the writing process to make sure that you had the energy to continue? Uh, he's absolutely correct. Uh, and... I suppose the best way to reset and recalibrate is to leave this at home. Mm. You know, uh, not to pull the parent card again, but <laughs> you know, I've got a four month old. So for the last 13 months or so, I've had kind of put myself in a space where anything that I do here, any work on the game, any of this sort of emotionally wrenching stuff that I'm, I'm dealing with. And, and I, I know this kind of extends to Ed and Bill a lot, uh, to, as well. We kind of have to leave it here at the door, you know, whether or not we leave it six, seven, eight, whatever time at night, Mm-hmm. it has to stay here at the studio and you know we come back in the next morning that also kind of leaves us the space to to consider and, and and i guess sort of recharge in between you know in between days uh just leaving this stuff here yeah leaving this this really really hard story at home because you know if we stay enmeshed in it along with like everything else that's been going on for the last couple of years yeah. in, in terms of like Conversations between black folks and the police, and 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 you know the the massive uh, movement that, that is Black Lives Matter. Like you'd go insane. You'd go insane just constantly <laughs> thinking about this all the time. You have to leave yourself a little bit of space just to be human with your family. Mm. And uh, I've tried really hard to do that. Yeah, it's I I'm sure I know that <laughs> I know that after we finished the game, I think we all took a moment and we were like, shit. I hope Charles is okay. <laughs> Like, I, like I hope no, the team is alright. There, there, there were times where you know Ed, Bill, and I are just sitting around. And we're just trying to 
spitball some of the moments and we're just like, oh, oh God. <laughs> right, let's, let's go. Let's go eat something or something. Let's just get away. Let's we'll walk away from this for a moment. I'm sure. I'm sure there was like a part of it that that felt like uh, racism, racist cards against humanity. Like how, how many how many scenarios can we can we jumble together that would be kind of terrible for characters to have to go through for Lincoln to have to go through to like prove the point. Well, you know, and I think that was also kind of a challenge for us, like making sure that we weren't, we weren't just going in for the most fucked up moments. We weren't just going for the, hey, this is, this is horrible stuff that we can kind of call on. Mm -hmm. Because I I think, I think whenever pop culture kind of does that, whenever there's that, that sense of what can we do to like get a rise out of people that, that wears down really, really quickly. Sure. So it's like looking at those moments that just felt, uh they felt like they would stick with you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't know that the, they felt kind of like driven by this character that we've created. And I, don't know, I hope we did that. That's no, I hope. mean, I, I mean, I felt that Lincoln, you know, and each one of us on, on that within the show itself and even on the round table had very, very different kind of views and wants for Lincoln. Once we had finished the game or some of us hadn't finished it, but had gotten through enough of it to kind of get a real sense of who he was. And, and I, you know, personally just felt like Lincoln was a version of the government's black punisher in some way, you know, like he was, he was that kind of anti-hero for me and I respected his motives and I respected his methods and thought that he was, was, was well played in the respect of having his mission, understanding that he needed people to surround himself with to get his mission done but also was surrounded by the big bad in the in the room, which was always going to be racism and white supremacy as a as a foundational thing that you had to overcome. And it felt like you were able to kind of navigate him through those spaces in a way that made him um, more human in a lot of ways than a lot of protagonists that we see who are going through murdering a bunch of people. Um, it was interesting because uh, Reef also kind of poked at the I, the, the conversation about you know, the word nigger is used often in the game. Um, a lot of people kind of clutch their pearls when they hear it, um, especially when, you know, you are not of the African-American American persuasion. You know, a lot of folks are like, oh, my God, I heard that 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 word. And I don't know what to do with myself now that it's been put into into the into the world. Um, he was asking, he was like, did, did you feel like um, the terms in some form uh, might have run the risk of desensitizing the audience to not uh, kind of dealing with the, the, the right weight of, of it and of those words. And what kind of discussions did the term, uh, did the team have about making sure that it was properly and, and given it the respect that it deserves? I guess this is the best way to kind of end that sentence with a, huh? <laughs> but <laughs> that, that, that was partially kind of how we, we, we initially looked at it you know it's like we definitely know that we want to have racist language in the game because right. it would feel inauthentic to the the period to not do so you know that's that's part of that opening crawl but that that that's genuinely the the mindset that we've all been under for the last couple of years and it's also kind of a course correction you know at, at one point we we were looking at, at at user testing and and looking at the way our audience would you know what players would respond to the the game world and say hey this this might be too much let's throttle it back a little bit mm. because you know, at the end of the day, we are ultimately making a game. We don't want to make, we want the experience of racism to be repellent, but we don't want the game itself to be repellent. We don't want you to feel like, okay, I I just don't want to play this. We don't want it to be a 25 hour, 12, 12 years a slave. 
two hours and 12 years of slaves, great. <laughs> right. The whole 25 to 40 hours might be a little bit too much. Right. Uh, so, you know, that, that actually involved kind of looking at some of the lines and, and pairing it back a little bit and, and trying to be a, a bit more strategic about it. And, uh, you know, I think that's, that was kind of a wonderful lesson for us to learn. You know, it's, it's taking the time to put it out there and iterate on it and just keep tweaking it and, and hopefully poking at it until we got to a vision that felt good, to a vision that felt like it, it was both real but also not distancing the player from, from the entire world. And also not cartoonish. Like that was, right. I think, one of the, the mission statements from the very, very beginning of the game is that we don't just want uh, – you know, a, a bunch of uh, hillbillies running around saying "Yeehaw, niggers won't get you." Because <laughs> also, you know, from from our from our our standpoint, like that also doesn't make the enemy seem threatening. Sure. And it's like, okay, I'm I'm just I'm shooting a bunch of cartoons now. I, I'm not invested in this. Versus actually generating a real sense of discomfort, a real sense of anger. Uh, you know, I I think the optimal reaction is somebody kind of they're walking along the street and somebody says some shit to them. I'm like, oh, oh okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> do I deal with this? Do I do something? Because right. I kind of want to do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it was, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was, I had, a, I, had a, I had a memory of something that played through the game and I was like, yep, that was that moment. I remember yeah. it. Yeah. And, and I, I think you, you ask any, you know, black man or woman of a certain age, like even now, young, young folks, like they may have had that little moment, whether it's at school, whether it's at, at place of business or something like that whether it's really really overt or kind of covert and you just you you tense up and we were hoping to try to create those in the world not just in combat but also in just interaction with the pedestrians just this sense of you're constantly on Mm. and it's it's this low-grade stress that exists for you of just why is everyone hostile towards me all the time oh yeah there's something outward about me that that they for whatever see as the enemy and that that's that's fucked yeah, that 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 always that always white noise of racism that's always around is so so hard to kind of deal with. Um, you know, we we talked a little bit about the the game even being a form of catharsis for some of us in a lot of the ways that you wouldn't necessarily expect in a game like this. Um, but it was really nice to be able to go through that KKK mission. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm not gonna front like that was. Well, no, that- I, I, I'm really happy to hear that. Like our, I think one of the points of inspiration for the game was for, for some folks, not necessarily for other folks, was like Django Unchained. I, uh-huh. For all that movie's flaws, like I think Quentin Tarantino was able to nail this one, this thing of just giving you a, a powerful, powerful black figure who can just say, all right, I'm going to do something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's something strangely compelling about, killing members of entrenched racism who aren't going to change, who, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, there's no reasoning with it. There's no white, for, you know, for lack of a better term, whitewashing the experience, mm-hmm. doing something against uh, those who would hold you down. That, that's something that feels really good about it. And I think there's also something really, really rewarding about acknowledging that these experiences exist. Yes. Acknowledging that racism exists. Yes. Like, uh, I'm not trying to nod my head in my own beats or anything like here. That's I'm just saying. Like I think, <laughs> I, I I hope that's the thing that we were able to accomplish to to validate that experience. Like actually seeing people playing the game and reacting and saying, "Yep, mm-hmm. that has felt really really good." 
that's dope because i know i know i was i was <laughs> it was funny so we have a little side chat that we have uh in for the show and we talk about you know just kind of game planning stuff for for the week and things like that and i was midway through the game and i'd gotten to the first kind of set of um missions where you're dealing with the the i forget the name of that actual crew the white southern the sub- southern union southern union yes and uh i hit cicero up and i was like you'll see I don't know how to I don't know how I'm going to vocalize these feelings that I'm having on the show where it doesn't make me sound like I'm like, yeah, I get to kill white people. Like, <laughs> like I don't know how I'm, how like get to kill racist white people. Like, I don't know how I'm going to be able to vocalize this in a way that doesn't make me seem like a mass murderer or that I'm happy that people are dying. But it's also interesting that I, w- I was feeling that way continued to to do those things specifically because I was like, well, you can't be here anymore because you're super racist and you don't deserve to be here. <laughs> but also feeling bad about it in a humanizing way that I don't think would be offered to me if it was in the inverse. Right. So it's like the interesting thing about being here in America is like you have those feelings all the time. Not not the killing parts, but the, the parts about like, how do you how do you figure out to humanize people who wouldn't humanize you back? Um, and that kind of leads into something that Cicero uh, wanted to ask you. And he was he wanted to say uh, he asked, he said, uh, almost without exception, all of the characters within Mafia three are what he said are a basket of deplorables. <laughs> he said, how difficult was it to humanize mass murderers while maintaining the need to vilify them? Were there uh, were there scrapped versions of the narrative that would have made Lincoln a benevolent gangster? You know, it, it's an old writer's trick. Try to find a thing that your uh, your characters want that makes them human. That's relatable. I think we we started from the very beginning looking at every member of Sal Marcano's crew, looking at every member of Lincoln's crew, and trying to identify the thing the thing that they wanted that would make them human and relatable. Not necessarily likable, mm. but relatable. You know, Burke can talk straight shit to you, but if you spend enough time with him, you get get the sense that he is doing things for his own reasons that you understand and empathize with. You may not necessarily agree with him but, or his approach, but you understand why he's doing things. Uh, you know, ditto Vito, ditto Cassandra, even Sal. Like, you know, Sal is at the end of the day doing things so that he can leave something behind for his son. Mm. And I, you know, I can't think of any parent who, who would not empathize with that, even though Sam is a, I'm sorry, Sal is a murdering son of a bitch. He's, he's, doing it for his own reasons and you can kind of pair those with uh sammy's reasoning you know he's working with the italian mob because he wants to leave something better for his son and adoptive son Mm. uh it's it's not easy work i mean you you have to find out what that thing is and how that kind of ties into the the entrenched criminality that we're trying to articulate in the game but i don't i don't think there's any gain in just letting your villain be just a purely villainous villain because that that loses mileage after a while you don't really care about them at that point but sal doing this for his kids sal basically trying to create empire to to leave some kind of legacy behind that's that's something you can talk about and that's something you can tell stories about and there was a lot of work on our parts you know just digging into the characters and, and kind of articulating that in documents and just constantly referring to that whenever we're writing any scenes involving those characters you know, just not starting from the standpoint of, well, this is a racist guy who killed, uh, killed your family. <laughs> right. Right. Cause what, what, what is that then? The, why do, why do you care yeah. versus having, uh, you know, having moments like that, that final encounter between Lincoln and Georgie, uh, 
you know, we, we really, really hoped to, to kind of communicate there. Lincoln's going to do what he's going to do when he gets his hands on Georgie, but he's going to feel it. Mm. It's going to, it's going to matter to him that he's done this because this was his friend, mm-hmm. you know, everything that's gone down the way it's gone down. And that, fi- that final conversation between Sal and Lincoln. That was amazing. That was so well done. Yeah. That's uh, again, that's, that's Ed and Bill, um, all credit to them on that, that encounter, like finding, finding what kind of human interaction we can have between these two guys who at the end of the day, they, they were people who were responsible to their families and, and they would do no end of fucked up stuff mm. to, to, pr- to protect their families. Like I, I always wonder if there's like an alternate version of this game out there where Lincoln is just the straight up villain. Like if there's an, a, uh, another universe where that's the case, because it could totally work out that way if Lincoln were put on the, you know, if you were put against the ropes, he would, he would do some horrible st- stuff to protect uh, Sammy and Ellis. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that was one of the beautiful parts about his anti-hero story was he was kind of always on that line, right? Where he was a little bit too too okay with getting things done in this particular manner. You know, it, what, there weren't a lot of places in which you could kind of. Uh, you know, let people slide. You can do it in the, in, in certain aspects, you know, when you had certain missions, but it, it never really felt like the people who were at the tops of those lists were going to get anything but death as they're due. Um, and that was kind of, kind of nice to be able to see that this character was, was able and, and, and was in control of, of his emotions. Even, you know, some, some, some of the people on the, some of the folks on our round table said maybe even to a fault, um, where they kind of wanted him to be not necessarily softer, but to be able to kind of um, uh, opine about his own feelings about what was happening during the time and how uh, the world was affecting him and, and reacting to him. But it was also great in the way that you guys wrote, wrote all that stuff because it's, you know, when you get called whatever names you get called forever, cause you're born into it, you do nothing but deal with it and you don't really know how to, how to kind of maneuver in and around those things. I think I think that's in part why we sur- surrounded him with a lot of characters who would comment on it in very direct ways. Like Lincoln's head, you know, it's it's not necessarily in the civil rights struggle. Like he is, I, I think it would be disingenuous to say that he's apolitical, but at the same time, like he's got a very very specific purpose. And and you know, calling out the Punisher as a reference point is kind of accurate. Like he has a mission, mm. and he's got these people on his list, and they're not very long for this world. Mm. And uh, you know, perhaps if he'd met Cassandra at a different time in his life. They, you know, he might have become a revolutionary. Or perhaps if he'd been listening to the voice at some earlier point in his life mm-hmm. and not gone to Vietnam, he would have been a revolutionary. But he is who he is, and I think so much of our game is about people and their essential natures. And you know, he is a man who is comfortable killing, right? And uh, we're we're able to kind of see what impact that has on the world and what what impact that has on New Bordeaux, uh, and and get a reflection of that from from some of the characters around him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Link, uh, Lincoln. I was about to call Cicero Lincoln. He better not be Lincoln. I mean, we have some discussions to have. Um, he wanted to know. Um, he said, "Why was it decided that Lincoln was biracial?" He said that we never meet his parents. He says the world is clearly clearly sees him as a black man, and he has never really uh, had to identify with regards to his racial makeup. Um, he says, "Was this a conceit made to potentially ingratiate the title to non people of color players?" You know, I think that might have been the case if, you know, so much of it was like the tragic mulatto story. You know, right. I think that's that's the trap you can fall into of, of 
well, you know, we, we're, we're going to say that he's sad being black, but he's also sad being, you know, uh, Dominican or white. But in, in our case, it was a reflection of our, our, our lead actor, Alex, who was biracial. And, mm. uh, you know, at an early point when, in development, I think we discussed just saying, you know, we're just going to say Lincoln is black. But, you know, when Alex kind of came into the picture and talked about his own racial makeup, it was like, OK, well, this is kind of an opportunity. But it's also an opportunity to say, even if you're biracial, you're black. Like that's right. uh, to to a lot of folks, that's just what you're going to be seen as, uh, for good or ill, and you know that's Lincoln's identity. Um, I, I don't necessarily think that it, we needed to explore more beyond just saying, "Hey, this is who he is, and this is how the world reacts to him." Because for all intents and purposes, for all presentation, he's a visibly black man, right. a visibly big black man in, in 1968 New Bordeaux, and uh, people are going to have a definite opinion about that. There's not going to be any parsing about it. Mm. Um, one of the things I loved about the game, and I think that you guys nailed, um, was pulling in very specific voice actors to 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 hit on some really big characters, at least ones that I really um, appreciated being in the story. So Dave Finoy uh, played the voice. Which was he's amazing. lovely. He's, um, he's, he's, he's lovely on the role. I, lo- I love Dave Finoy. Dave Finoy is so good. Shout out to Dave. We had him on the show like early on. Please come back because you were so dope. Um, <laughs> And one of my other favorite folks in the gaming industry, Nolan North, who mm-hmm. I did not expect played Remy Duvall. And it, I, I was the first thing I thought was like, first, oh shit, Nolan North just said that word. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing I was like, you know, what was that like? Were you guys in on some of the sessions? You know, how did that kind of work? And also did they, if if you were on in, uh, in on any of the sessions, how did they kind of, feel about saying you know super racially tinged language in ways that they have probably never had to do in other games before i wonder if that was maybe a little bit even uh uh freeing in some ways to be able to kind of deliver lines that are kind of gross and terrible but definitely play the role well uh i actually got to go to the stage one of the days that nolan was recording uh i think it was specifically his death scene and um <laughs> you can kind of feel this this like you said, the sort of freedom on the part of the actors to just be able to let go. Mm. Uh, I, I hope we kind of offer them an opportunity to do something very, very different from what they would normally do. And, you know, bless our entire voice acting cast and our our entire performance, performance capture cast. Mm -hmm. All these people just threw themselves into the role, their roles wholeheartedly. You know, they seem to get it. They, they took the time to, to read the scripts and and ask a lot of questions and, and just be very, very invested in telling this story and, and like inhabiting it. And I think going back to a thing I was saying earlier, not make it feel like a cartoon, you know, making these people feel like they're lived in and the ones who are racist, make them feel like they want other things beyond just keeping black folks down. They could Remy Duvall. He's a monster. Yeah. <laughs> right. But he thinks he's a monster defending his home. Right. He, you know, it's that, that paranoid racist mindset that someone's trying to take something from you. And in his case, he's a, rich white dude who's got a mansion on a hill but he feels like he's under siege and his community is under siege and he's going to do whatever he possibly can to protect that Mm. and uh you know nolan seemed to get it nolan just threw himself in the role in such a a fantastic way and he's also got his own radio show and uh you know believe me there were some weird days of sitting there thinking i'm writing really racist things for (laughs) nolan north (laughs) this feels weird I'm very excited about this. 
I mean, you know, I wanted to ask you that question. It's like, were there some soup, like some really small guilty pleasures? And what were some of the kind of most fun things you got to add into the story that you were like, I get to write this thing and I'm going to put into this game and it's going to be awesome. Like, what were some of those things too? Oh, his speech, his speech is, <laughs> uh, I'm going to say bar none. Like the, the one that he gives at the rally is, is, is bar none one of my favorite things that I wrote in the game, which is a weird thing to say. It's incredibly racist, yeah. but it's, it's, it's letting that, that, grotesque like that stuff that that we've internalized that we think is being said that actually is being said right you know active clan rallies going on probably this week in advance of the election Mm -hmm. they're they're just being said out there right now and 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 trying to confront that as much as possible and and getting some of that out of the system like it it felt really good and it felt good knowing that you could trust someone like nolan north to get out there and and deliver on that Mm. yeah he sure did deliver on that and it was good to kill his ass in that part (laughs) I was like, ooh, I, I can't lie. I replayed that bad boy a couple of times. I was like, I need to go over here. I need to get into this position. And let me see what it's like when I snipe your ass. And let me see what it's like when I throw a grenade. It was great. So, so then, okay, I think I feel like we did we did okay on that front then. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you nailed the hell out of that, that, that part. Because the one thing that was... Um, uh, again, kind of digging back to the catharsis and also just, just the, the tone in which you laid out, it made everyone real and it made people, it made the racism feel tangible in a way that a lot of, uh, a lot of pieces of media, pieces of art don't do well. It doesn't feel like, um, you know, in some movies where people kind of throw out whatever they throw out, that it, it has the weight. Um, and it felt like everywhere, every corner that I turned, I was feeling this oppressive weight. And it made me feel like, wow, I've never, I wasn't born then. But this is if this is what this feels like in this version of this of this place, my God, how did people make it out of here alive? You know, my God, how did people every day deal with this this level of oppressive behavior that has no reasoning to to even exist? So that particular mission and and other ones that, that go along that story arc definitely felt like every person who was there did have that sensibilities to themselves of like, I'm not doing anything wrong. This is the status quo. This is how things are supposed to be. And you are here for what reason? And that, and that totally played itself out. Well, it it makes me think this is a thing that I didn't really think about throughout the course of this development. It's just, it's a thing that popped in my head now is like, our game is about you defeating Sal Marcano. It's not about defeating racism. And I think that's maybe, I think that's one of the wiser things that we did, yeah. whether, whether deliberately or inadvertently, and that that sells that oppressiveness. You know, I think there there's sometimes when you see this kind of thing in in, in other media, it's about you're going to do this thing and it's going to change the world, right. and that's seldom the case. Like you, you know, this has been a struggle in our country for as long as Black people have been in this country, and and you know, as, as long as other POC have been in this country, as other marginalized groups have been in this country. And we don't know when it's going to end. We're going to keep struggling and we're going to keep fighting, but we don't know when it's going to end. And it, it's not just one person. It's not just one system. It's all systems that seem sometimes like they're kind of arrayed against us. And I think it would be disingenuous to create any sort of narrative where, well, Lincoln takes over the city and racism's gone. <laughs> I, w- I would have loved for you guys to just put that in as a really just weird ending. <laughs> just like some magical button like you go to the back office you have whatever conversation and you come back out and you have like a robe and a, and a scepter and you walk out into new bordeaux and you wave it and the racism is gone that would be dope 
that would be a great game. I don't think the it, it would feel very authentic. But yeah, yeah, you know, it, it's. Um, I think that's that's maybe part of what what sort of weighed on us when we when all three of us were were writing this game, and and I can I'm sure that also kind of weighed on some of our designers as well of like how can we how can we make this feel like it's a thing where it's personal, yeah, but it's not going to change the world, you know no matter what the outcome of the game is, no matter who takes over the city, this stuff is still going to exist because in year of our Lord, 2016, Mm -hmm. this stuff still exists and it somehow feels like it's as bad as 1968. Uh, I I, I don't know what the perfect way of dealing with that is, but I feel like we, we, we found some good answers for it. Yeah. I mean, I I think reef kind of touched on that with this question too. He was like, you know, he left, he left the game with a somber tone and was wondering what the challenges are. When designing a game in which you kind of know that that's going to be the end result for uh, a bunch of your player base, you know, how do you, how do you kind of figure that out uh, during the process? And are you basically okay with saying, "All right, we know it's fucked up in the real world, and this may lead to, lead to a fucked up ending at the end, but we're okay with that." Was that was that another one of the kind of conversations that you and the rest of the writing team had? It wasn't so much about the somber, somber tone. It was just, you know, the this game is. Well, I guess it is. I guess, you know, this game is, is serious and this game is, uh, it's about a, a, you know, very, very specific period in history. And it's about, you know, trying to be honest to that. And I don't think any ending, you know, we can't do the Silent Hill 2 ending. We can't have aliens show up or whatever. <laughs> um, but we, you know, we, we want to know, we, we want to say that like, this is a thing that happened in history. You know, our, our whole format is, is this documentary that's kind of wrapped around the spine of our story and, and saying, you know, this is a thing that happened, and if you looked at it twenty, thirty years from now, it would still feel like it's it would still feel like it's an authentic thing. And um, mm-hmm. you know, coming out of that with wackiness, or coming out of that with something that felt like super triumphant, uh, just didn't feel honest. And also, you know, Lincoln's story, no matter what, is always going to feel like a tragedy. You know, he's not going right. to even the best possible ending for Lincoln still kind of feels like okay. Something yeah. is it, 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 a little bit of his soul lost from from everything that he's had to do. I kind of I kind of wish that that I had one version of the ending that was was which was my favorite ending actually. So my ending was basically leaving leaving New Bordeaux, and uh, Cassandra was the person who ran everything. All right. Uh, so I loved that ending. That was like my perfect ending. I did try the other endings out and they were they were okay, but they didn't feel as good because I, at the end of it, I wanted him to have his Bill Bixby Incredible Hulk music playing in the background ending. And I got that. So I was happy about that. Um, and, and, I, and there were a couple of characters who I really loved that I think you guys did a masterful job of of writing. Father James was great. Um, I loved the fact that he was the, the angel on the shoulder, but also... Uh, you know, kind of tugging on on the collar and kind of keep Lincoln in line. Absolutely loved Donovan, and it, <laughs> it absolutely fucking loved Donovan. And and I was like, this feels a little bit like a buddy cop movie. But I was also always always worried about Donovan too, because you know, again, talking about the the setting in which they were that they were in, I always expected him to 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 screw Lincoln over. He's the government. You know, basically, he's his friend and they went through some stuff, but he's the government. And you know what government did to everybody in the 60s? He was he was literally COINTELPRO (laughs) incarnate. So it was it was interesting to see how you guys played that out. Um, And it was really nice to see the kind of intricacies between Cassandra and Lincoln 
even in the small uh, sections where you have the sit downs and you um, you kind of go through the menus of deciding who gets what uh, parts of the city, she would refer to him as brother. And I was like, I, I, I know Charles did that. <laughs> like, I, I like, didn't. Oh, I did not, though. That's really? Ed. That's that Ed. was Ed. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay. Okay. That's yeah. dope. That's dope. I mean, you know, hearing that especially gives me even more joy to know that, you know, a thing that, uh, you know, we talk about constantly on the show and, and just when we're not doing the show and just being human beings in the country of getting people to see us in the way that we are, that we actually are, as opposed to the ways that people view people of color. And it's great to hear that. You know, that's a that's a, a telling thing to say that, you know, this this writer got that part right and understood so, that that was a part of the, the, the vernacular, the lingo, the way that we maneuver. I, I'm going to jump in and say that, like, this is one of the, the areas where I feel like I'm, I'm maybe one of the luckiest people working in games right now is I have a team that, that wants to ask questions. They want to say, does this mm. feel true to people? Does this feel like this is a human voice as opposed to just trying to cram some vernacular in there and hope it works. <laughs> yeah. I think I heard a black person talk like this once on uh, some TV show, maybe. So, you know, I listened to a Wu-Tang album that one time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Vers- versus saying, you know, what, what, what's, what's most compelling about Cassandra? What kind of relationship would she have with Lincoln? And it's very clear that she is going to utilize, she's going to leverage that, that mm-hmm. clear emotionality of our skin color is the same. And, you know, these two guys, don't, these two guys don't understand what you know uh, you and I have been through, and yeah. we both come from the same community, so we should help each other out. Mm-hmm. And yeah. still trying to find those same connections between Lincoln and Vito, and Lincoln and, and and Burke, and what sort of ways they would exploit those relationships to get the mo- get their the most out of the st- uh, out of Lincoln and out of their territory and all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, I mean, you guys even touched on the kind of you know Italian uh, Irish. Uh, issues that were there were a part of the time, and that was that was great too to see that you guys dove into into that too to say you know it's not just this nor this this dynamic that you always see, but there's some screwed up stuff on the other side too of how everyone kind of interacts and, and talks to talks to other ethnic groups. And, and there's mm-hmm. there's always going to be a last nigger. Yeah, there's you know if it if it wasn't the the Italians and Irish, it's us. It's right. it, it's the Syrians now, whoever comes into the country last, they are <laughs> the other and they are the ones who get the shit the worst. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it seems like the next generation tends to forget. And mm. I think we, we, we tried to sell as much of that as we possibly could. Yeah. Uh, before we get up out of here, um, I, have you seen any of the, the reviews or the anecdotes or the, the posts about, you know, how this is playing in the sections of the country that don't necessarily get it. You know, I saw you some know, random article about blackwashing <laughs> or that was in reference to Battlefield. But it, a lot of folks who have been coming to Mafia 3 who haven't had the ability to kind of deal with it in that racial in that in that racial space have come to it in a way that's been negative on the opposite side. And, and have you guys had any chance to kind of deal with any of that? You know, we, we, we have seen reviews and things like that, but I'm going to confess to having a very fragile ego. I am a writer. I am tender. Yeah. Uh, I have feelings about things. So I've tried not to seek out too many reviews. You know, we, you know, we, we have kind of some, some, some great conversations between the three of us about you know, what we feel like we've done well and, and what we feel like we, we could do better on. And I think internally as a team, we've also kind of discussed that sort of stuff. But 
laser focusing on the reviews is that way lies madness. Yeah. 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 And also, also the kind of thing that you're describing there, I think I'm, I'm increasingly becoming this person who gets exhausted with the, uh, you know, here's some racist shit. Some racist said today. Yeah, me too. Like that, that kind of news story. I don't, I, I feel like those are usually written by people who want to pat themselves on the back for not being racist. Yep. All that really does for me is just reinforce, oh, okay, there's, there's another fucked up corner in the country. Right. I don't want to deal with that. And, and it, it doesn't really add anything to the conversation. Now, at the same time, you get some writers out there who want to talk about the, the ideas and the themes of the game and, and nail us for things that they feel like we haven't done well. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to see those conversations. Those are really, really exciting to me. It's just right now my... Like I said, it's all raw, and I'm all still. I'm still very, very fragile about it. I need, I need a little time. Yeah. I need a little time. Yeah, I will. I will employ you to join me in my in my campaign. Hashtag Don't Spread Stupid. Yeah. And and it's that kind of deal where it's like I, I, we know that you are going to say this already. So why do I need to give it more air? So I'm I'm totally yeah. in your camp on that. Um. Uh. Before we get up out of here, I just have to say again. From me and the rest of the crew at Spawn and Me, we, we talked about this, and hopefully you'll listen to the, the roundtable discussion once this goes out. But we talked about just how important and well done this game was. Um, we all really loved it and enjoyed it um, and look forward to hopefully you getting more chances to do and, and someone else and, and everyone being able to have discussions in these really raw and truthful ways um through this medium that we all love um and we definitely want to give you and the rest of the crew huge pats on the back for for embracing this head on and talking about this in such a way that you know i've put it we had a discussion about like where does this land in your game of the year discussion and i pumped my fist and was like this is like game of the decade stuff oh wow like 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 the way that you're tackling all these issues in ways that make me feel like i'm being heard and understood and the plight of my this is gonna sound real like it is real quick but it's like the plight plight of my people have been heard and displayed in a video game form that made white people have to deal with it and understand it and at least if they decide to engage this game not be cushioned uh, in ways that I don't think does anyone a service. Definitely thank you and the rest of the crew for, for, for knocking this out of the park and uh, wish you nothing but the most success uh, on this and hope that we are able to, I don't know if this game would lend itself well to DLC. I don't know if that's in the plans, but I, I hope that there are more stories that come out of uh, this version of, of Mafia uh, so that we can all enjoy it. God, man, you got me feeling a whole bunch of feelings right now, man. I, I sincerely appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, Yes, we do have DLC. It's coming next year. Nice. We nice. talked about it. There's nice. a whole announcement and everything. Nice. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. You, you got me feeling some kind of way right now. Like this is that means a lot to hear. And uh, more than anything else, I'm sincerely hoping that other folks look at what we've done and they say, okay, we can tell stories in these spaces as well. We can also speak to the experiences of other folks, not just Black folks, but also you know other minorities you know, queer folks, you mm. know, all LG, LG, LGTP, I can't, I'm mulling my words right now. No worries. <laughs> just, just speaking about other stories that, that, that don't get a chance to get talked about because, you know, gaming is more than just one story. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, Charles, man. It's such a pleasure to have you on. We'd love to have you on again at Absolutely, some point in man. the future. 
Uh, and thank you for rocking with us. It was it was great to to meet you that that one time and hear that you that you dig the show too. So that definitely makes my heart flutter and, and super happy about that. Um, Give my best to uh, Sharif and Cicero. We'll do. We'll do. I'll dap them up for you and say what's up, um, Bricago. Again, thank you so much for listening to this amazingly wonderful conversation. These are the kind of stories and kind of conversations we want to bring to you uh, every week on Spawn on Me. And again, thank you, 2K. Thanks, Charles. We'll see you all later, and we will say peace. Take care, dude.